This week, we're continuing our conversation with Janie Bryant, the award-winning costume designer responsible for the iconic style of shows like Mad Men, The Mayfair Witches, 1923, and Women Who Kill. Janie was kind enough to sit down with me and John a few weeks ago to talk about her work. We learned a lot in the first half of the conversation about production, workflow, and what plotting out a giant job looks like. We're going to be talking with Janie more in-depth about a few of her projects, like how her interest in 19th century acrobats inspired the costume she created for Pennywise in 2017's It. We'll also hear about how she began her career, and she has lots of fantastic advice on how to approach a job interview for a job you really want, and how to center yourself so you're better able to achieve the goals that you set for you. It's all really lovely stuff. Let's dive back into that conversation now, and we very much hope you enjoy it as much as we did. To circle to throwbacks, I would be a very remiss millennial if I <laughs> didn't talk about one of your first projects, which was designing for Pete and Pete on Nickelodeon, which when I was a kid was definitely actually one of my favorite shows. It was, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what your first productions were like and what that experience was like being on those early productions and what getting your sea legs in the industry on this front was like? Oh my gosh, I know. I'm trying to think, like, how was it? I guess it was really good. I think it was good. It was it was a lot of work and we we definitely had a great time. I was I was actually on set a lot in those days and as well as like designing too. And what was it like? It was I don't know, it seems so long ago. I'm like, I, I think it was fun. <laughs> I mean that Buffalo the Buffalo check is always what I think of from the opening credits. Oh my gosh. And it was, it was, I think it was actually remembering it. I think I was like very, probably very stressed because it was one of my first shows. And so it was a lot of pressure, I think. Yeah. If I'm being honest, here we go. It was a lot of pressure. (laughs) Of course. No, we want honesty. The point of our podcast is really to inspire young people that are, again, interested in getting into the industry. And so we love digging into a little bit of that archaeological past with established folks like yourselves, where it's like those early times when we spoke to Erin Ionian, she talked about the first time she transitioned from doing print makeup to screen makeup and what it was like seeing Lucy Liu's face when they were doing the dailies. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is is so different than than seeing it in print and so those are the stories that i think young people who are interested in like hearing because it's so much closer to where they are in their journey i think i i think i was really probably really stressed out a lot that's that's why i'm like do i really remember it so so (laughs) it's a blur well it was because i was a lot of it was a lot of pressure and i think i just felt like the the pressure of the job a lot that was how I was in the, on that show, for sure. Well, maybe this will help. We always want to know what made it work, right? And we've talked with a lot of people about mentors or about people who made a difference in their early careers. So who would have helped you? Who made these struggles less terrifying? Or who, or was it something you had to figure out on your own? Was it? I, I didn't have anybody. Okay, uh, that's hard. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really didn't. Not until I like got in the business a little bit later. 
there wasn't really anybody who had really helped me. I, I mean, I can say it's like, as far as like costume designers, I really just got into costume design basically head on. I, a lot of people who helped me were a lot of my crew who I had hired. They would help me a lot. I mean, I, I'm sure I needed a lot of help anyway. So they were very good. Like the different crew people that I had, they were great. And yeah, there wasn't really anybody who like showed me the ropes. I, my first film that I did, I was an assistant designer and they were like, this production was from Germany. So, I mean, they, they were in town and then they left town and I, I really, I was just like out there on my own. And uh, one of the people that I first started working with, with this, was this director named Billy Kent. He, he was, he was a director and actually the production designer who was on this German film had introduced me to this director, Billy Kent. And so like, I started working for him a lot, but yeah, it was like, I was just meeting a lot of different people and it wasn't like having a mentor or anything. That's that's that is a valuable insight in its own right, because sometimes, especially in a creative industry, you have to push yourself out of the nest and then build your wings on the way down. And you obviously persevered. I mean, it's not. I guess I did. Thankfully, yes, I did. I like my thing was before I went into any interview, I was always like, it's just me. It's Mm. just I always went into an interview like that it's only me. I'm the only one who can do this. Like it was always, I always had to talk myself into doing that. It was, that's all I said to myself. I mean, and sometimes I got it, sometimes I didn't, but it was like, that was the thing that I always had to say. That's like a mantra. The, the, the <laughs> meaning of mantra when you break down the Sanskrit is mind protector. And so that sounds a lot like it. And there, there's something to be said for that, because I know for me, whenever I go into something, I do the same thing. Where you you got to give yeah. yourself the pep talk. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Now, now it's just meditation. That's, <laughs> my, that's what mine is now. But yes, but that is exactly what I did before I went into any interview. So would you tell us about a time that you've like impressed yourself? something that you made or created or designed that was just like, even knowing what your own capabilities are, you were like, wow, look what I did. Or where you pulled off something at the 11th hour or solved the accidental <laughs> crisis. You never know. But Well, when I was working with that director, Billy Kent, he, I mean, this is really like my first job. Okay. And I was, I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to like, because I was basically the only department of one. So I was on my own. And they, the producer called me and he said, hey, Shani, we have an actor here. She's like a size 10. I'm like, oh, that's great. Okay. I started like cutting out the dress. I was making this whole dress for her. And then they called me at the last minute. I mean, I think I'd been making this dress for like the past 10 hours or something. And they said like, oh, we have another girl. She's going to be a size six now. She's not the size 10. It's a different girl. Can you make a, can you, are we going to be able to have the dress? And so I was like, yes, no problem. And I just started cutting down that dress and just making it smaller and smaller and smaller. Thank God, because 
it wasn't the other way around. Thank yeah. goodness. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So that was that was one thing. And also because I, I was making it, I didn't even have like a I didn't even have a team of seamstresses at that point. So yeah, so I was making that dress and anyway, it turned out great, thank goodness. And then the other thing is probably my dress that I designed for Deadwood, which was Joni Stubbs gold print he wore. I love that dress so much. And it was I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, oh, it's going to be like all these different colors and all those different stripes. And it's going to be, it was totally a mishmash of like different fabrics. And I just put them all together and had my seamstress sew it. And she was like, okay, I think this is going to be good, Janie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, it's so, it was awesome. <laughs> She had the best clothes. I mean, for a character in that show, I mean, I loved those little hats, little fascinators. Oh, the fascinators were my favorite. I'm a sucker for the veils. Oh, so pretty, so pretty. But I, I loved, I loved that gold dress that she wore in the when they opened the chaise of me. I loved that dress. So that was like one of the things that I really, I loved that too. And then, of course, I I designed the movie It, and and I loved Pennywise's costume. That was a great one. I remember I remember when I first designed that. When I was first designing that movie, there was there was a big article on Pennywise on the cover, and after that came out, it was so interesting because there were a lot of people who wrote to me and they said who thinks they can design like a drunken Renaissance character? Okay. Who thinks, who thinks you can design? You're like a madman designer. Why are you designing Pennywise? I mean, they were so, they were so mean. And, and I, what I did was, okay, well, everybody wants to be heard. So I wrote back to them, like every single person who wrote me like this bad comment. And I just wrote back to them. I was like, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad that you share your opinion. Thank you for, for you expressing yourself. And anyway, I never heard from anybody, but they were, they were all just like, who thinks you can design something that's like not mad men. It was very funny. But anyway, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a great learning experience to like write back to people who the hate mail in, but it was, it was like a nice exercise in just responding to them because like everybody wants to be heard. And so I just decided to reply to them nicely. That's what we do. (laughs) That's what we do. It's Gary V method. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta, what's going on in their life that's causing them to act out unkindly. Who knows, but you don't have to answer it in the same way. I love that. That's, that's what we try to strive for as well. So I'm definitely on team kill them with kindness. Yeah, it was, it was good. I was like, this is very, this is very good practice to get used to this. I think it's, it's a good thing. I think it's neat too, that you really must've stepped out of at least your career comfort zone for the moment. I mean, I love the movies. I like spooky stuff, but we know, especially after talking to you now, how much period costume really like means something to you personally and how much you get out of actually making them. Was it, drastically different to work on a, a horror production especially one that's like Stephen King which is like yeah. has to be done <laughs> challenges I would assume yeah I mean it was it was really interesting the thing was 
you know, to design Pennywise was to me very, very period centric because I had looked at a lot of the 1800s acrobats. I had looked at a lot of the clowns from the earlier periods, like the 1900s, the early 1900s. I had looked at a lot of different characters from the Renaissance period. So there there was, I mean, it was definitely a, a mishmash of all these different characters that were through our history, right? So it was, it was, I, I loved mixing them together. And that's really what the costume was. And also Andy Muschietti, who's the director, he really loved the idea of Pennywise being in gray. So that was like what I based the character on, of it being like a mishmash of Renaissance and acrobats and clowns of the 1900s and and like adding them all together and it just came out at once. It's supposed to be timeless, right? I mean, Pennywise exists separate from time or yes. at least up until the, the events of the story. He is. I mean, he is like this timeless character. So it was important to have all those different influences in his costume. I can totally see how that would work. Well, and I love, I love you shedding some light on, on the gray bit because even when watching it, it's like, I'm a painter among other things. And I have this tattoo that's like a rose that's brightly colored, but at the bottom, the color is dripping out. So the bottom third of the rose is, is gray. And as soon as you said, I said, oh, that's, that's this great idea of this like bright, vibrant clown from all these different periods that's had all the color sucked out. And instantly it made perfect sense. So I, yeah, thank you for providing a new light in which to see Pennywise, because <laughs> I am a big fan of it. Our business partner, Ryan, is not. He's of clown, so he'll probably skip this part of the episode. <laughs> so I think I got a couple of things I want to ask. Why women kill? I love this show for a lot of reasons, but one of them is it's like all these different time periods, same geographic location, but the 1980s, 1970s, and right now or whatever the season is. Is that difficult for you to have to switch between all these different eras, or is that I mean, that that season definitely was, it was a big challenge because it's like, it's designing three shows at once. So yeah, it was, it was definitely challenging. I mean, I loved it. Oh my gosh. I mean, Lucy Liu, 1980s, she was amazing. Shoulder pads. So Um, good. We had so much fun. And Jennifer Goodwin, she, I mean, I love working with her. She's brilliant. And we just had we just had a great time. I mean, it was I I love Mark Sherry anyway. He is brilliant. He's fun. I love him. And designing the three shows definitely it made it it made it challenging. But let's just say it was it was great too. Because the thing is, like if you have three different shows, I mean, it's designing three different periods also with all three different members of like background cast too. Mm-hmm. So it is designing a lot. But then the next season where we did season two, it was it was 1949. It was like the whole new look period. So my that, favorite. That was, no, it's my favorite period too. So that that was my, my one of my favorite shows to do. I loved I loved designing the 1940s. 
the late 1940s, I should say, is the best. Well, it, it comes across. I mean, the shows, even though the subject matter might be dark, I mean, they yeah. feel joyful. They feel like yeah. you tell everyone's having fun. No, that's that's the best, right? To watch creative people enjoy themselves. I mean, <laughs> what else could we ask for? Oh, no, I know. Well, Mark Sherry definitely has such a, a sense about him. And that show, the, especially the second season, I mean, it was it was so gorgeous. I mean, I love designing it. And we just, we just had a blast with, like, all, all the women, all the men, too, but, like, all the women, the Garden Club. I mean, we had such a great time. Well, maybe this is a good segue into asking some questions about what's going on right now. We know that a lot of productions have stopped and a lot of things are paused or being held. The strikes is just the reality of the situation. And I mean, what do you what do you do with this time? Is there is there? I am walking my dog a lot. I am going to go to Burning Man. It's like I am just like enjoying right now it it is it's a little daunting i have to say or i hope they work it out it's a little bit we're like sitting here day to day thinking okay is is this going to be are they going to work it out let's hope they do let's hope it's not until january right <laughs> yes. so yeah so I, I am i'm here and just reading books and all those things, meditating, all those things. Some of the things they're working on figuring out right now are related to like AI and credits and how, I guess, how the day-to-day people who put the work in are, are being treated. Do you feel like there's any AI concerns for costume design? Do you feel like any of that relates to your work? If there was a I mean, they'd have to have something in the beginning to use it off of. Are, are you trying to see if I'm going to change careers? Maybe no, I... no, no. I'm just wondering, like, if there's like, I don't. No, I'm just thinking that some of the conversations that are happening right now are going to affect other industries they and probably... how other parts of the world are going to deal with the questions that AI brings. And I was just curious how maybe the costume design end of, of production for film or for TV might be affected by artificial intelligence because I honestly just don't know when I thought that that would be something that perhaps our, our audience might be curious about if there was any overlap or application. Yeah, I mean, there probably is. I guess that we all have to figure out how we're going to deal with it, maybe. Like, even if there is, let's just, that's what I'm saying, like, even if there is something that is AI, like, they still have to have a costume in the beginning mm-hmm. to base it off of. So I don't know. I don't, it's going to be. I didn't mean to give you an impossible question. I'm just. And it's going to be interesting to see like what happens because. Absolutely. Her contract is up next year. Then it's going to be interesting to see like if there is something that they do want to do with the AI. Uh, I don't know. It is, it is a little bit. The whole world is in flux. It's challenging. I just feel like if it is something, like I said, that I think the AI has to have something to use first before they can base it on like one thing. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, that makes absolute sense. That absolutely makes sense. Well, I, when it comes to the AI thing, I, it's a double edged conversation, right? Because mm-hmm. I am 
100% on the side of the unions when it comes to ripping off likenesses, using them in perpetuity, all of these things. That is awful. I don't think, I, I just, it's unconscionable, frankly. That said, I do wonder about, for example, the use cases for AI in the ideation phase of designing something or leveraging it. I, I wonder if we will see, for example, more younger costume designers or Gen Z costume designers coming into the industry and trying to use AI in the iteration process or in the ideation process to try and hone in on something. And I wonder what your thoughts were on that. Are you more of like a creative purist when it comes to designing costuming or do you think there's a room for the use of AI during the ideation phase? I guess that's like what, like what illustrators do right now, right? Because they they are doing that thing. I mean, if you say like an illustrator is working with a designer and the designer is like, oh, you know, I want like a red sweater and some and some brown shorts or that. That's mm -hmm. not but anyway, I'm just saying like if they if they want like, let's just say leather pants or something and it's more about like an illustrator having to create, right? Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I guess that would be like a, I mean, they're doing it on their, it, it's like on the screen. It's not with a, it's not with a drawing anymore. Do you right, mean, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That is like an AI thing. A tool, right? So the AI is a tool. Maybe that's what I'm getting from what you're saying, which I think is a really positive thing, which is that it's going to impact stuff. But if it's a tool and we learn how to use the tool properly, then it's not going to remove necessarily every single job is not going to make everything challenging. It could be a way that things are maybe made simpler or maybe made. And I mean, I do know that a lot of the illustrators have been, which I can write, I totally understand that they have been upset because like the AI has taken control over that part. It, I mean, I would never, I don't think I would ever, ever, ever use that. Like get like, getting AI like I use an illustrator but I know that like the illustrators have had issues with that too they've had issues with like the or maybe other people using the AI I'm not sure well what this speaks to as well I, I think and it's something we touched on before costume design much like fashion in the general marketplace is a highly collaborative field and so when something like AI affects one piece right? Like the illustrators, that's naturally going to affect you guys on the costuming side. As you said, you don't want to work with someone necessarily or wouldn't want to work with an AI generated yeah. source construct. Source, I'm going to call it a construct because it's what it is. Yeah. And as a company, we're very big on the traditional art of fashion illustration as well. So the idea that those jobs would be taken away by an algorithm is terrifying because you lose the humanity and the essence of design when you do that. Yes. Well, I think that's also with script writing. I, I, you know, I think it's also with like using an actor's face too and not paying them for it. I mean, it does, it, it's not, it's not a good thing. I think it's hyperbolically awful. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I, I'll say it. I'll say, it. I think, I mean, I as an author myself that, is terrifying. The idea that someone might plug in you know, the things I've written and then spit out something that sounds exactly or not exactly like it, but close enough to the untrained eye 
is terrifying. It's a conversation we had with our interview with Justine Picardy from the UK, where she said, I asked an AI, look at all the things I've written, spit it out for me and try and sound like me. And she said, well, it wasn't the best, but it was better than some of the writing <laughs> I've read that's really bad from humans. And that's a, that's a scary proposition. When a former EIC of a major publication says, well, it's not the worst, that's a slippery slope we're already halfway down. Yeah. And I think the same holds true for what all of your colleagues are dealing with on the picket lines and what they're rightfully protesting. Because if there's one thing we've kind of learned throughout this journey thus far, if you give the studios a centimeter, they'll take 65 miles. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 hope, I hope that everyone is coming to the table with the best they can offer. Me too. Let me just Amen. Say. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. That they are just coming to get it. Like, let's just get it resolved. That would be the best thing. And but I think the AI thing is. I mean, I I am not a fan of it. So, but I I hope that people like work it out so that it can be like gratuitous to the to people. Now that yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing I think that may be a saving grace is that none of the things created with an AI can be copyrighted. Mm, and there we go. that lack of intellectual property security is something that I guarantee you everyone on staff attorney, every staff attorney at all these studios is like, okay, but we can't create IP out of that. And yeah. that's such an important piece of the industry. So hopefully that will be something that everyone out on the picket lines can at least hang their hat on for a minute while this gets hopefully worked out in the near future. I hope so too. Fingers crossed. Yes. So I have one silly question. You've won some pretty amazing awards. Your work has been celebrated. And I've never really spoken with someone who has the opportunity to talk about what it's like to win an Emmy Award. Would you tell us what that is? How do you find out? How do you, how does this all happen? I went to the award show and then they announced my name. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, it was it was amazing. I remember I went to the stage and I saw right in front of me it was it was Ian McShane sitting there with his wife Gwen and I mm-hmm. saw, I looked at him and I was like, Well, I wish I had had another drink. I would <laughs> better up here. I was just joking, but yes. Yeah, no, of course, of course. It was was an amazing award to have, and and I was so thankful to get it for Dipwood, too. I mean, David Milch, just an amazing, amazing creator, storyteller, just a, a wonderful, wonderful man who believed in me and hired me. Yeah, I love his work. It's such such amazing work. And you, I mean, that episode particularly is obviously amazing, but I was so glad to see. I was such a fan, still am. I will always, always be a Deadwood fan. And this, the prestige shows, the ones that are, especially before this period that we're in right now, where there's so much content, and there's so many things being being made, or at least up until this <laughs> year with the strike. It's so nice to see that work be rewarded. I think a lot of the time in the past wasn't as, common. I love it. I mean, I love it. Having giant ball grounds and curse words <laughs> like oh, American history, it all like come together. That's wonderful. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. It was great. It was great. There were four seasons. 
the movie camp. Movie camp. Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely camp. <laughs> so the last few questions here we always ask everybody. First one, if you were gonna be speaking to a young person who wanted to be a costume designer one day, what's the advice that you would give them? What would you say? I would say start with meditation. Very important. You you have to meditate and see yourself at the job you want to be. And so that is the first place that I would start. It's I mean it's so it's so important. It's like you you have to imagine yourself being a costume designer or whatever it is that you want to be, but you you always have to go inside of yourself. And I I think that that's like and then the other things come to you. That's just what happens. It's like you go inside, you imagine that, and it all comes to you. Let's just say you attract. That's what you do. No, I love that. That's wonderful. Yeah. So that's the, that's the good thing. And and then I'm sure everybody who's out there and who wants to, to be a costume designer, I'm sure they are making phone calls or going to work at Western Costume or meeting other people in film or whatever they're doing. But I do think that it does have to start with inside. Yeah, that makes sense until you are prepared fully. Yeah. No matter every, what you do, I guess. Okay. Every well, and, I, and I think costume design in most creative fields, there's an inherent capital R romanticism mm. to them. And <laughs> maybe this is my English lit nerdiness peeking through, but it's that Wordsworth-esque reflection in tranquility, that inward eye. That is so important, I think, particularly for those who are interested in the creative fields, because you got to amass the information and then you, and then you got to percolate. And that's where the magic happens. It is. It is where it happens. And uh, and then you can just like go out and enjoy and allow, allow, allow those things to come to you. And they they will. I mean, basically, that's like what. I was doing before I even knew I was doing that. It's just like now that I'm, that I have more experience, I'm older and whatever. I mean, that really is my process. I just, I meditate. And so that is, anyway, that starts everything. (laughs) That's how I write and paint. So I, I, I totally empathize with that. And I mean, I'm a little biased. I've been a Buddhist for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I love meditation. We'll have to, we'll have to go on a hike and meditate sometime <laughs> before the strike is over since yes. in LA. <gasps> oh my gosh, we totally can. I was doing the Mayfair Witches. My, <laughs> my friend, she is a Buddhist and she, she invited me to the, do you call it a community? What do you call it? The, the Sangha? The, yeah, like the, the, the Sangha. Is that would be the term? Yeah, the, the, the yeah the religious community or the, the group that is to, coming together to meditate and 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 form community. We did that. We did that. It was amazing. It was. Yes. A, I mean, I do a different different style of meditation. Oh my gosh, that was incredible! I couldn't believe that I was there and just with her and being with her doing the whole thing. It was amazing. I loved it. Oh, it's super transformative. I mean, it saved my life. So I'm clearly a big fan. (laughs) Yeah. I came to Buddhism many years ago after passing with my mom. So it was a very beneficial thing. Every time you've mentioned meditation in this whole interview, I've been like this little inner little spark lights up and I'm like, yes, 
because it's so important. And I think for creatives, especially, it's extra important. I think it's important for everyone. I think everybody should meditate. But that said, especially for creatives, it helps with just balancing the creative energy, giving you inspiration, giving you space and grace and crucible for all the things that can often be like whirling around in your head to just be. I meditation at for me, it's always like watch it's like watching the clouds. I think sometimes in the West we get this misconception that it's about shutting everything off. And it's not about that. It's about letting everything just be. Exactly that. Another question that we always ask all of our guests, and given your earlier comment about how you've been occupying your time during the strike, I'm sure you'll have a great answer or two. Do you have any particular book or books that have inspired your career, your creative development, or your just general ethos that you would like to share with our listeners? Because we love sharing books. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I mean, I love Pride and Prejudice, of course. I mean... It's more for the romance. It's not necessarily for the design. I love that book. I love Dracula too. Dracula is one of my favorites. I, I love it that it's all just like letters. It's such, oh, it's such a great book. And then that I just read, I just read a book called The Paris Secret, which was really fun. Mm. Amazing. Those are some great recommendations. As my specialty in English literature for my bachelor's was romantic era poetry. I love that you just dropped Dracula. Well, that's the thing. Uh, you have to do a Jane Austen. Oh my God. I would love to see you do Jane Austen. That would be that would be so much fun. Oh my gosh. I would love it. Wuthering Heights, a Bronte. I mean, anyway. <laughs> I, love, I love all of them. Wuthering Heights, of course, love. Yes. Well, who knows? Who knows what will come up? You never know. I mean, that's the beauty of it. 1923 is next, and what happens, right? So our very last question, and this is our new interview, the first person we're asking. What would be your favorite, not your own work, but someone else's for TV show or movie? What's your favorite costuming, fashion, media? If you were going to pick something to put on. Put on? Or for you yourself to consume. For me to wear. To watch, like a TV show or movie. I was... Dangerous liaisons. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Classic. Absolutely. Fabulous choice. Oh, so that, good. That's, like, that's the only one, really. I think I watched that like 30 times when I was a teenager. Well, <laughs> VHS tapes. I think I, I, I just watched it like a, a couple of months ago. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. Pulling close. And, oh, God. It really is. It really is perfect. I just did a personal double feature of that and then Scorsese's Age of Innocence. Oh, I love Age of Innocence. That one's good too. That's the other one. Oh my gosh, that's 1876, which is... Yep. Oh, like my... Oh, I, that is one of my... Oh, has been one of my favorites since it came out. I used to get it from the library when I was a kid. Like, I was, I was all about it. I love it that they... The whole sequence of them setting all of the China. Oh, <laughs> for the Van der Leidens? Yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing. I mean, give me sterling silver in China. I'm oh yeah, Edith Wharton was one of my favorite authors as a kid. So I was, I was a very big fan. I'm going to ask a bonus question, inspired by Aaron Ionian, actually one of our fellow guests. For anyone who is interested in costuming and and costume design, are there any greats of costume design that you would recommend that they do independent research on to be inspired? Do watch you mean for like different time periods? 
more like any colleagues who you think their work stands out in a way that if someone wanted to go into costuming, you would recommend that they spend time on IMDb going through their credits to see what they've done. Are there any like, again, like costuming greats that you consider? You mean like Edith Head like that? Yeah, like Edith Head or they can be your contemporaries. They can be historical. I think Edith Head should be on all of those lists. Mm. I'm biased. <laughs> I think I think Sandy Powell is amazing. I love her work. She does such beautiful work. Adrian, of course, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. I mean, I love I love Edith Head's work too, for mm-hmm. sure. And also my favorite, Walter Plunkett. So yes, don't the wind. <laughs> my other one. <gasps> yeah. Amazing, amazing. Those are those are all phenomenal, phenomenal figures in the industry, and I think. One of the things we always try to do here is just provide as many additional resources for our listeners as possible so you can rest assured that you have just inspired some things for our worksheets and some other stuff as well, because our job is to make all of this stuff more accessible to everyone. So thank you so much for joining us and for being a part of Little Red Village and joining our ranks in terms of inspiring the next generation of fashion lovers, leaders, creatives, costumers, and anyone in creative fields that has that ineffable urge to create thank you so much for having me we love your work so much we were so thrilled to know that we'd have the opportunity to speak with you about it so everyone thank you for listening to today's episode of the little red village with the iconic janie bryan and we are so glad we had the opportunity to speak with you today janie thank you so much an amazing installment of Little Red Village. Thank you so much again to our guest, Jamie Bryant, Emmy Award winning costumer. As always, this brings us to this episode's footnotes. Kicking them off, we have clown costumes because Janie talked of her work designing Pennywise the Clown. But did you know many historians say that the first known clowns came from as far back as ancient Egypt around 2400 BC with more modern clowns finding roots in ancient Greek fool tropes? And the term clown itself came into use around the 1560s to describe boorish, clumsy men until about 40 years later, around 1600, when it became more specifically a professional fool or jester. Footnote number two is actually one of my favorites. The Age of Innocence. Near the end of our interview with Janie Bryant, we discussed the Martin Scorsese movie, The Age of Innocence, because of its amazing costuming and sets, if you ask me. But did you know that it's based on the famous book by Edith Wharton? It tells the story of New York High Society as a commentary on the ways Gilded Age wealth corrupts and informs how people were forced to live within its strict rules and confines. And lastly, one of Janie's inspirations in costuming, who we've brought up with past guest Sandy Schreier is Edith Head. If you have ever seen the Incredibles movies, then you absolutely know the character of Edna Mode. This iconic person is based on the famous old Hollywood costumer known for her work mostly at Paramount, but also Universal, dressing the leading starlets of the 40s and 50s like Ginger Rogers, Betty Davis, Barbara Stanwyck, Rita Hayworth, Shirley MacLaine, Grace Kelly, Audrey Hepburn, and even Elizabeth Taylor. That is all for this episode's footnotes. Thank you so much for joining us at Little Red Village. And remember, fashion is for everyone. 